Welcome to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of identity and healing with your host, Dr. Laura Polak, a somatic healer and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. I am super excited today to introduce my guest, Heather May, musician and healer and activist extraordinaire. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? I am a now Nashville-based singer-songwriter. I lived in Washington, D.C. for a while, and I just moved to Nashville. So now I call myself a Nashville songwriter. I um, My music is singer-songwriter pop, but I mostly write social justice music. Um, I'm very loud about who I am on the internet. <laughs> I absolutely love your music and feel a little bit like I should be throwing a bra at you as we speak. Like, first of all, like, I'm a healer. My podcast is about healing. And so I'm sure that some people are going, well, why is a musician a healer? Why are you bringing a musician on the air? What would you say to that? I think music is healing. You know, there's this, uh, I'm a pretty spiritual person. I take, you know, my work that I do in the world and the time that I have here on this planet very seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a quote by uh, St. Francis Assisi said, when words fail, music speaks. And mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that. And I think that there have been times in my life when I have heard a song and it has helped me dive into incredibly complex things in my life and um, get through uh, hard times in my life and understand myself better and understand my relationships better and understand you know, my <laughs> my whole existence. Music has this really powerful way of helping us get through life. And, you know, I've always been able to sing my whole life. I've been able to sing since I was three years old, singing The Little Mermaid. And at some point I picked up a pen and started singing the words that I wrote. And then at some point I started singing about the things that I believe in the world. I would never deem myself ever. I might be extroverted and I might be somebody that wears crop tops and sparkly things and loud, live out loud in many ways. But I, I would never, I would never call myself a healer. There are people that I look to who do good work in the world that I would call healers. I'm just a person who has felt broken for a really long time and loves helping people know how, f- am I allowed to cuss? Absolutely how fucking amazing they are. (laughs) It starts in the body and it moves through you and then it hits your brain. And so if my music helps people heal, then fuck yeah. I think any, if anything, my response is thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so honored. Really. I think that the arts is like such a healing thing. And I think if you look at, I'm raising a 17 year old kid and um, if you look at music and how much it, impl- it it really affects teenagers at every yeah. generation forever, um, there's a way that sometimes I'm also a product of therapy. My father and mother both were therapy people. That mental, 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 mental sometimes is not addressed mm. where it can be addressed through sound, 
where it can be addressed through singing, humming. Right. Actually, I mean, this is just kind of, I feel like it's a little egoic to say, but I'm taking a class right now called Embodied Social Justice. Mm. And I was really excited um, to hear Resma Menick, who wrote My Grandmother's Hands um, oh, yesterday. Yes. Oh my God, just love listening to him. And yes. he was talking about the power of humming as right. a way to heal trauma. Right. So I really do see singing, humming music as an incredibly healing tool. Yeah. That's not often given credit for that because we are so taught to unembody ourselves and give our power to somebody else to heal us. Right. So yeah. the power of healing through listening or singing. Mm -hmm. And there's this really interesting thing that happens as we grow out of being children, where mm -hmm. to, you know, when you're a child, it's so natural to just like, you know, la, 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 yeah, yeah, and sing your feelings, right? But then as adults, it's like, well, be serious, grow up, you know, yeah. and we grow out of this like, child's like, you know, ability to heal and express through art and music and self-produced music just from humming and laughing. And there's this really beautiful thing that happens when somebody, an adult, connects or a teen, you know, whatever age over where we realize, oh, people are looking at me and judging me. And if people don't like me, then should I like myself? But at some point, we start, we stop ourselves from creating and being curious and allowing mm. ourselves to emote with sound. Ah, right. And, but there's this really cool thing that happens when somebody listens to a incredible song that they just are like, oh my God. God, this this person gets me and they turn it on and they turn on their song and they roll their windows down and they scream, sing and the beat hits and they can feel it in their bones and they sing it loud with their friends. And, and what if that song, what if that song said, women gonna rise like the water? Gonna mm. shut oppression down. I hear the voice of my great granddaughter saying, fight for me, fight for me now. And a 16-year-old girl who struggles with liking her body, knowing who she is, taking up space, she hears that and she hears these like incredible dope beats that I wrote and created and programmed and put into a song behind this electric guitar and my big ass voice. And she goes back to that child-like coping, you know, mm -hmm. sk these skills of mm -hmm. connecting body and breath and brain and self and feeling through song. Absolutely. And of course, we have to mention that is one of your songs. I mean, those are <laughs> lyrics from your real, real songs, right? <laughs> yeah. So you're not pussyfooting around mm. with your lyrics. So the words no. are there with the sounds behind it. Right. And so how is that healing? Like, if, obviously, I heal listening to it and love listening to it. In my office, I only play music that I think will uplift the office. So I have mm. been playing your music quite a bit. Oh, um, my. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, your lyrics are amazing. Um, I'm Enough mm. is it's a little bit annoying in how much it sticks in your head. Sorry besides, about that. <laughs> turn around, turn around. Stop. Stop telling me to turn around already. <laughs> 
That's so funny. I'm not even telling you to turn around. I'm telling the people who don't like what they see when they look at you. I'm telling I know them for to sure. turn around. No. Um, the video is amazing too. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that was yeah. off of my last EP. Um, or my, excuse me, my first EP. I feel like I should back up and, you know, tell the people that are listening to this that, you know, I got started because I was, I lost the ability to sing. Mm. I had a career. I started in New York City and then I lived in my van for a while. <laughs> and then I went, as all young songwriters do, I went really hard. And somebody told me, you know, in order to be a songwriter, you have to put sweat on every stage you possibly can. And so I did. And I sang so hard and I sang myself into silence. Mm. It was in that silence that I realized I don't want to miss my chance to make the world a better place. I don't want to just be a songwriter that's famous with fans and followers and streams. I want to create a legacy that leaves the world a better place than it was before when I got here. So I literally I remember crying in my car and after getting the news about having nodules on my vocal cords um, and being told by an ENT that I would I would never be able to sing again if I kept singing the way that I was. I remember making, like pledging a vow to the goddess, as I call her, mm -hmm. that if she gave me my voice back, I would I vow to her that I would only use it to create music that is actively making the world a better place, whether I am actively singing it or not. When it is out in the world, people are listening to it. It's they're doing, the songs are doing their job, which is to make the world a better place. And I was silent for around eight months and I got my voice back and it slowly but surely came back and I was able to begin singing and humming and mm. then it was singing louder and then it was belting Van Halen songs and then it was <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like okay well I guess I have to go to work and that's when I released I Am Enough which is my first you know intro into social justice music and then in 2019 I released a record called Glimmer which was my mental health album. So let's back up on both of those because once again, I'm going to just weave this back through to make it really obvious. One, you self-healed, um, which is always really huge for me to point out because so many people think that we have to follow the doctor's advice or the surgeon's advice or whatever, but right. you went quiet and you healed yourself and you're singing and then you recorded albums with a new purpose. And the purpose I'd love to kind of dip into. So the first one was about body image, correct? The first one was, um, it actually had a, m many themes. The first one. The album is I Am Enough, right? Yeah, it's about yeah. self-recognizing that the rules and standards that you are placed, that are placed upon you, even as a young child, you don't have to adhere to. You don't have to listen to them. You are allowed to be your own standard of what is good enough. And when I found that phrase, I am enough, it was, it was world shattering for me mm -hmm. as a, as a, as a plus size woman. 
And, and what does that mean? I mean, just let's be straight across. What's a plus size woman mean? So as a, well, I mean, I, I am, I, well, you guys can't see, hear me or you you can't, y'all listening can't see me, but I am a 240 pound curvy femme wearing 18, 20 jeans. And I am a, I have always been plus size my whole my whole life. I've always been a bigger bodied human. For the longest time, I hated the word fat, hated it because it was, mm. sl- it was, it was wielded and thrown at me like a knife. And as if to be fat is to be the worst thing in the world. You know, it starts right. when you're so young as a child. Right. And so for me, I am enough was this reclaiming of well, reclaiming of what it means to be <laughs> my own standard of beauty. I never, up until that point, I had never looked in the mirror and told myself that the human I am looking at in this moment is good enough. Doesn't need to change. Doesn't need to be smaller, taller, stronger, more money, anything. And mm-hmm. The silence was very loud. When I had nodules and was unable to speak, I was unable to distract myself from the bully inside of my brain. And I realized that those those things that the bully was saying to me, I didn't create. Mm. I didn't. There we are with the cultural matrix. They were inserted. I didn't make it up. Right. Oh, so wrong. Yeah. I didn't make any of those things up. When I was 11, I didn't decide to have thighs that touch one another is ugly. Somebody told me that. And then I just wanted to go along with what everybody else was saying because I don't want to break the rules. I don't want to be, they're already looking at me and telling me I'm ugly. I'm not going to disagree with them too. Mm -hmm. And at some point it just became the rules and that I was adhering to were my cage until man, the silence. And I heard it. And I just, I remember this moment. I was like, (laughs) I had like made this decision that, okay, all right. So if I can't work, and I actually don't think I've ever said this in an interview, which is interesting because I am enough came out in 2016. So this is a little bit of an older record, but I, I remember the moment I was standing in my parents' garage and my parents were trying to get me to think of positives to not being able to work, right? You can move back home with us. It's okay. You know, you're not going to be able to work because at the time, voice was like now was everything. I was a full-time musician. I couldn't sing, aka I was not going to be making any money. So they're like, you can move back home. Let's try and think of some positives. It's going to be okay. What can you work on? And the first fucking thought that ran through my mind was I can finally focus on losing weight. Mm. Ouch. And because I couldn't speak it, I was forced to hear myself think that and nothing else. And the next thought after that was, ew, what the, No, that's not the first thing we're going to think we're going to do. 
that's not the first thing. No. And I remember writing on my whiteboard (laughs) to my parents, well, I guess I can, I guess I can focus on lyric writing. And I showed it to them and they were like, yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't say it. And that, that was, that was what happened over the next eight months. I'd hear the thoughts because I couldn't speak them. All the distractions of this voice of mine, I was silenced. So I was forced to really, (laughs) I was forced to really experience the cage that society had placed upon me. And I was pissed and I hated it. And I read everything I possibly could about reclaiming the word fat. I started wearing crop tops. (laughs) I started... I started touching my body. Like, how about just touching my body? As fat people, we're not supposed to even look at ourselves, let alone touch our bodies. Like, Mm -hmm. the idea of, like, caressing my own thigh was, no. What? That's gross. Why would you do that? Why would you ever do that? Why would Mm -hmm. you ever touch something so abhorrent? Mm. It's so painful. And I, I think like, I'd like to just stop for a minute and go, you know, there, there's this whole matrix that we internalize, you know, that we're raised in. There's the institutional educational system, the institutionalized magazines and images and television, and like it's everywhere. And right. so then we internalize it. And it's still kind of amazing and powerful for me to think that you internalized it all. Here we are talking about sound and music, and then you were having to listen to this soundtrack of um, colonization that yeah. had been placed upon you, right. that you went, wow, I don't like this. This record sucks. <laughs> yeah. I got to change this record. And I couldn't. But- it took a while to change the dial. Dude, I don't think, I mean, like, we're all still swimming in it. I don't Mm -hmm. know that I've changed the record myself. Like, those records play deep. They've been run deep. You know, I'm 53. Mm -hmm. And then you walk out of the house and you're seeing it everywhere anyway because everybody else is indoctrinated. So it's kind of beautiful to me that you heard it and were able to create something from it. That itself is just like a, whoa, let's pause for that moment. I just recently had this moment with a friend Um, And she also, she, you know, she's done the work, you know, she has read the books, she's done the journals, she's done the therapy, she has untangled herself from the nonsense, right? Mm -hmm. But healing isn't linear, we always say, right? Right. You can take a step, 15,000 steps forward and 10,000 steps back, you know, and the pandemic has really shaken up a lot of people. I said to her, you know why it's hard for you? Because if you go through a traumatic situation, right? I have little T and big T trauma in my life, in my past. And for me, I have removed myself from that situation. I had something happen to me. It was terrible. I removed myself from the situation. And I only go back there when I am strong. I am capable of remembering, I can reflect, right? Mm -hmm. But I, a part of my healing is to say, I do not have to relive that if I do not want to, right? Here's the thing though about body stuff. 
You can't ever remove yourself. From the culture. You can't. I mean, you're still going to hear it. Because it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. It's I am, I'm sitting here in this room right now, okay? I'm sitting in my office. I am looking at my desk. I have body positive quotes sitting up. I've got you are enough. I've got gifts from my fans. I've got love letters to myself posted up on my wall, right? But even here in this safe space of mine, I am looking at pictures of myself when I was thinner and I am recalling from society that girl, she is more accepted in society. And I have to bob and weave from right. that, that rule right there. Whoa. Right. Right. I am looking at a picture of my, my girlfriend, a friend of mine who is, I don't know, a size, a single digit size, a straight size human. <laughs> and I, oh, did you say straight hear- on my show? Sorry, audience. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. And I'm seeing that and I'm going, oh, I hear in my my mind, I'm the fat girl in that photo. And I have to go, yeah, and that's yeah, great. And look at how cool I am. And she's, there's, there's, yeah, and there's no difference. There's just bodies, like arrangement and like what we look like and body descriptors. There's no, right? But I hear the programming. Then I go outside. There's billboards and magazines and movies and and low calorie meals and like there's oh there's it's the war is everywhere, everywhere and you cannot escape it even in your safest spaces because of the way that we the society that we're in the sure, program been indoctrinated right? from day one and we're still indoctrinated and that's where we're living. And I will just ask permission because so I was partnered for a long time with a fat girl and we all talked about it as fat. I mean, we had reclaimed the word in a, in a, like, Hey, yeah, we're fat. And there was a magazine we were a part of called fat girl and, you know, fat this and fat that. And the hard thing for me was, um, you know, being the smaller person with a fat girl, hearing the comments after, Mm. you know, how it is when you're the person Mm. with a higher state of privilege that you would get to hear a lot of the unfiltered stuff. It was brutal, the things that people say Mm. out in the world. I just, and and again, even with friends and community I have now, I'm still stunned about the fat phobic comments where some of the other things people may have done work on. That one seems to be one of the last things people do work on. And I'll go back and say, is that a politically incorrect term now? Am I behind the times? Are we not calling people fat anymore? Oh, no, we are happily calling people fat. I call myself plus size. I call myself curvy girl. I call myself fat all the time. Um, But I think that there are still people who have not been able to, and I think it matters. It's like person to person. If that's the word that feels cozy to you, then that's your word. But if you have not been able to do the work because for whatever reason, whether it's you're a busy fucking mom and don't have the damn time to be <laughs> doing life, it. Right. <laughs> you have, right. Yeah. Like I, I feel like not everybody's on the same place in their journey and that's okay. You know? And so I use them all. I okay. just say, I'm a big girl. I'm fat. I do whatever feels right in that moment. And I mean, I have Chuck Taylors that are rainbow that my partners together put the word designed for me and put the word, the words fat babe on. Nice. Um, and that's usually, that's usually how I refer to myself. Yeah. That babe is a good one. 
So let's bring it back around because the uh, all of that was a little bit heavy and rich, wonderful. But then, you know, I I feel, and I don't know, which is why we get to do this, that there's been mm-hmm. so much healing through that first, I, I don't know, I'm too old. I'd say album, but you say LMNOPQ. I don't know what the hell it's called now. <laughs> <laughs> album, album record, yeah, EP. Mm-hmm. What's an EP? EP is just a shorter record. It's only okay. five songs. So Thank yeah. You. All right. Very good. So that first one was, you yeah. know, about being enough and fighting yeah. the inner demons and like coming out to the world about, for me, that's really powerful because when I'm fighting my inner demons, there's mm. an external voice that gets to reflect back to me that I am enough. And the rest of you can just freaking turn around because if you don't like it, it ain't for you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes yeah so that was a beautiful i i really like the enough ep look at how cool i am so good and then the second one glimmer was really Mm. more focused on mental health is that correct yep that's exactly right you know i i am somebody who is living with bipolar disorder i have bipolar disorder too and after the art artists usually have about like a two-year cycle of a record um and then after that it's like okay so where's the next one and i came home after having like probably the biggest show of that cycle is like 800 uh women's conference and retreat and there were 800 voices just singing my songs back to me. It was just nice. so amazing. And I came home after that retreat and it was me and my cat on the couch. And I remember this sinking feeling of artist depression. And it was it was so hard. The polars of the two was so hard on my brain and the idea at the time was so hard for me to be able to imagine that I'm going to have a life like this all the time and that just feels so empty and just ugh. now (laughs) now I'm not that I'm not there anymore now I love coming home and I love my coffee cups and my cat and my couch and my cozy clothes and my my partners. But at the time, I sunk into one of the worst depressions of my life, aside from the depression that I, I went into after having nodules in my vocal cords. And I started, well, I, I think your, your listeners will probably appreciate this. I actually went to a documentary. Uh, I lived in DC at the time, and the head of the NIH was there, and it was a documentary on the power of music and healing mm-hmm. and feeling like total shit in my brain. I was like, well, this can only help if I go. <laughs> <laughs> I went and I remember hearing, I remember hearing the director of the NIH at the time, he said, are there any actual musicians in this room? And I raised my hands and I was one of the only like musicians. Most of them were educators and, you know, artists, people in politics. And he looked at me and he said, you should make your audiences sing. Do you know what happens when you make your audiences sing? No, I don't know. It makes them feel good. And he said, they have a chemical shift in their brain, which relates to the chemical shift in their body. Mm-hmm. Where they produce good, fe- feel good chemicals and hormones mm-hmm. that make them feel better. 
Yep. And I went, well, I, I kind of feel like shit right now. So I guess I'll, <laughs> I should start singing. <laughs> I should start now. And I started, that's when I started writing this record. And everything I was writing was purely for selfish reasons. It was just literally my brain feels like mush and I'm in such a fog or I'm so manic. I can't, and there's nowhere to go and I've got nothing and no gigs right now. And I'm just feeling like, what the hell am I going to do? What is this, this, this God, it's terrible. I feel trapped in my brain. And I wrote about, I wrote about every angle I could find about mental health. And at some point I just realized I, I was writing, I mean, I probably wrote 25 songs. There's only, there's only nine songs on that record. And I, I had this moment where I was like, make them sing. And it's something clicked where I realized, oh, I'm making a mental health album for people to sing to themselves so that they don't feel alone. Mm, beautiful. I love it. <laughs> and how did that, I mean, like what, what was your response? Do people absolutely love it? Oh yeah. I, I went on the road. I released that record. I went on the road and the stories that poured in, you know, from it, you know, I am enough had not only body positivity, but it had, uh, it was, uh, it had women's empowerment. It had um, mental health light, as I like to say. My song hero. It's like I did. I was too afraid to say I had bipolar disorder, so instead I wrote a song called Hero. Mm. Then it also had, you know, my song Stand Up, which is about my stance on Black Lives Matter and about the refugee crisis happening in Syria. And I, but glimmer at the merch tables after my show, you know. For I am enough, people would come up and say, you know, oh, I just I, I play your songs on my radio and I send your song to my, you know, Trump supporting, you know, family members. Right. But with Glimmer, people would come up to me afterwards and they would grab my hand and they would just stare at me in silence mm, beautiful. and with tears in their eyes. And I know that silence. I know that silence talking to the people that listen to my music when they are crying on their bathroom floors, when they are contemplating no longer being alive, that experience of holding their hand and making them know that they are enough, that they deserve to be alive, that their life is has value. It's one of the best experiences and most powerful experiences I've ever I've ever felt as a human being on this planet. When I question everything, when I question myself, I recall those moments. I recall their faces. I see their faces. I see their faces even now. I see their eyes. And it keeps me going. It keeps me writing. It's making me write this new record now. So I'm going to pause this again because that was so much Um and, and, you know, I'm sitting here listening to us talk about it. What's the difference of talking about it and writing the words and having the words and then putting it to music? Because for me, the mm. talking about it is one thing. And it's a whole nother thing when it's not just reading your lyrics, totally. which are powerful. Yeah, totally. What about that? I cry a lot when I write my music. <laughs> I bet. 
I'm really bad. <laughs> I have a Patreon, and on my Patreon, one of the things I call it the Big Loud Love Club, and one of the things my patrons get to hear is the the writing of the experience. So they don't just hear like the demos, but they hear they hear like the processing of the writing of the songs, mm-hmm. and I truly believe that songwriting is my goddess speaking to me Mm. and through me. Mm -hmm. Um, It is me, you know, it's the highest version of myself, Mm -hmm. whether it is the future me, dead and gone, speaking to current me, knowing more than me, whether it is my ancestors speaking through me, whether it is spirits speaking through me. I don't know what it is. All I know is that I am never going to be so so selfish and naive to say that I wrote these songs. Hell mm. no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like I am a vessel for a higher purpose. And so I had a I had a co I had a co-write recently, an attempted co-write recently, where an artist <laughs> An attempted co-write recently. <laughs> that's yeah, that's funny. really mm-hmm. uh-huh. that says a lot. <laughs> it really and, does. We can stop. Uh, an attempted co-write who said to me, "Wow, you take yourself very seriously." There was a part of me that was like offended by that because I I love song play. I love to just like right. vamp and kid around and you know let like the music just be sillies. And I love doing that. I love writing with kids. Like I I love that so much. But there was a part of me that. When I heard her say that, I was offended, but then also deeply, deeply knew that she was correct. I do take my song seriously because it is a spiritual experience. I do get help when I write them through whatever is pumping through me. These things didn't exist before this moment, and these songs They are, I mean, songs have been used in every movement ever. Right. Songs have been used, think about the civil rights movement. Music was a critical part of that. Every movement, every shift in in our society, there is a song that you can recall that has aided in that. And I cry a lot. I cry. I'm not ashamed to say that. Yeah, no, I cry a lot too. There's lots of reasons to cry. And you know, that's funny because I even think about the sound of crying because a lot of times mm. in my office when somebody's crying, I get a lot of this. It's like, come on, let's hear it. Let's let's yeah. hear yourself cry. Or even, you know, if I go to a service or anything, I tend to be the person who's like, yes, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So, and me people too. look at me like I've got 12 heads and I'm like, why are we holding it in? No, you're the- fully experiencing yourself as a human. Well, and the allowing, sound allows yeah. everything to have a have a depth to it that's different than, mm. you know, if I start going da-da-da-da-da like you were doing earlier, yeah. it feels differently than just yes. the two of us like blah, 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 you know? Yes, it's totally. It's got a whole different cadence. There's a song that I will be on my new record whenever that does eventually come out. I have... I'm sure one of the questions you're going to ask is, when is the new record? I have no idea. I'm writing the new record right now. And I'm. it's funny that you should talk about silence and sound, you know, because there is this song that finally came out of me 
took me 16 years to write, but I finally was able to write um, about what happened to me when I was 18 years old, which I was raped when I was 18. And I, you know, in 2017, the Me Too movement happened and I had no idea that what happened to me was wrong right? because I always blamed myself, always. And I heard the words me too come out of my mouth and I was like, me, me too? Wait, what? Right. And was like, oh, okay, cool. So we're going to have to go back to therapy. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> Went back right. to therapy. And, you know, I'm capable of laughing about it now because I have done the work to be able to talk about it and now sing about it. That's so powerful. And there was this moment in this, in the writing of the, of the song where I realized that all I wanted to do when I was writing it, I just wanted to scream in the song somewhere. And, but I knew I wanted it to be a line that meant something to me. And the words just stumbled out of my mouth in the writing of it, which is not hearing no isn't hearing yes. Right. And in that moment in the song, I sing it with everything in me. And the thing that came after that felt right was complete and total silence. So when I perform that song, which I do now, I sing that line and I hold out the word yes at the top of my lungs. And the only thing that follows is silence. And it is so beautiful and powerful what happens to an audience when they hear the sound of a woman screaming yep. in power yes, and then standing in, in strength and looking out into the audience. There's this really, really powerful moment. And I'll be interested to see how we record it because I don't know how we're going to record that one. Mm. Oof. Well, thank you for addressing the hard things. Yeah. You know, I I really, truly appreciate it because it creates, I think even you're bringing up the Me Too movement, there was a break in the cultural hallucination of, mm. you know, so many things that people just thought were okay. And right. now people are saying, no, that isn't okay. Um, And, you know, I think that's what the work you're doing does is it breaks the cultural matrix and allows for something new to come in, which I really appreciate. Um, I have to change the subject, which I don't want to. I think I could just talk to you all day, but <laughs> I'm going to change the subject and we're going to keep it a little bit short, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to you to be queer? Mm. <laughs> to me, I love the word. I love the word queer. For those that can't see me, I am smiling. I'm blushing. I love the word queer. It feels like it feels like the perfect fall coat that you have been looking for for years and then you find it and it fits perfectly and it's just right. It feels like the perfect coat. That's what it felt like finding the word. <laughs> you sound um, like an artist, my friend. <laughs> It really does. It's, I've right. I've been, you know, I I found when I found the word queer, 
it was like deeply mine. Yes. It just felt like me. And just, you know, for definition wise, queer for me is I like men. I like women. I like non-binary trans people. And I make a joke that Margaret Cho, Margaret Cho says, which is just, I'm just greedy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will bring up too that in the prep, I was confused. Um, So I watched your um, video on You Are My Favorite. And there was a different person in there than I thought was your person. And I'm like, what's going on here? I'm so confused. What is her status? Like I thought she was like this kind of monogamous, not heterosexual monogamous, but queer monogamous, like kind of almost like, hey, here's the lesbian iconic song for, for matrimony. And then I'm like, wait, she's not that. I'm so confused. Help me out. Yeah, I mean, just to keep playing on the on the term greedy, I <laughs> I am also polyamorous. Um, my partner Ra, who is in that video, who helped make that video, um, and that's actual uh, wedding footage of us in I that video that. from it's our so wedding. Yeah, and a little and- nauseating. I was like, God, whatever. <laughs> We had, we had, um, we got married in Asheville, North Carolina. We had donuts at our wedding instead of Cape. Yeah. Those, that song is actually my wedding vows put to music. So beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry for those of you who are, don't, you know, don't, I don't, I will say this. I definitely lose followers every time I post about how happy I am. (laughs) No, I love that you're happy. That wouldn't be me. That wouldn't be me at all. Like definitely I do I always notice it. I lose followers when I post about how happy I am and I gain followers when I talk about how the struggle is real. It's very interesting. But I I I have my, you know, that's my married partner and then my girlfriend, um we we like to play around this new term we say my permanent girlfriend. We are permanent girlfriends. Uh is Chris Matthews and she is uh, a songwriter as well. Um and and we've been together for about 3 years now and we are all nesting partners. The two of them are in the polyamorous ethical non-monogamy world. They are what they call metamors, which is they are not dating whatsoever. They're just partnered to the same person which is which is me. I'm if you hold up a V or a peace sign, I'm the hinge of the two. And, you know, I found that in the LGBTQ plus community that polyamory is, is, is so popular. It's mm-hmm. so popular, mm-hmm. it but is. it's very, very stigmatized. And silence. Um, People are not talking about it, which is why I was right. like, we got to bring this up before I let yes. you go. There is this like... You know, when we came out as polyamorous, people really, it's almost like they relied on Ra and I to to remain, I don't even know the word, faithful to one another. It's like they, they had, and I don't even know who they are, but we just got so many messages that were like, but what about you and Ra? And what about Ra? Well, what about, you know, what what is Ra going to do? You're dating somebody else? Well, what about Ra? It's like they relied on us to always be together as if for some reason I am not 
And Ra isn't completely caretaking of our love and nurturing of our love as if it's not possible because in society, we don't see examples of multi, multi-amory, multiple loves, successfully not cheating, not being you know, uh, spiteful to one another. They don't see metamors like Chris and Ra hanging out and playing basketball and like cooking together and like going in on Christmas presents for me. Like they don't see that. And so, which is even more important for, we have privilege as artists who are self-employed. We don't rely on a job to that is anti LGBTQ or anti polyamory to supply our health care or to supply our you know child care supply supply our whatever we can we have privilege to be able to be out and so many people do not because it is still stigmatized so yeah we we live loudly <laughs> and I love that <laughs> my favorite thing about it is that and I love that you brought it up. I literally have a song called You Are My Favorite, which is like against the polyamory. Totally totally confusing. It's so (laughs) confusing. But the beautiful thing about it is like I play that song all over because at the time it was my truth. Right. And I I sing that song and Chris sings harmonies on that song. And you need to and, re-record that, my friend. Yes, and the thing is, 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 but the thing is, is that's the what I want to say is that I won't stop singing that song because that is my love song for yes. Ra. Yeah. And even though Ra has partners and they've got other people in their life, you know, we we still will say to each other, "You're my favorite," Absolutely. because in my little sphere, in my world with them, in my love with just them, they are my favorite. When it's just the two of us, they are my favorite. And for so many LGBTQ people who have walked down the aisle to that song, because it is a very popular love song for the LGBTQ community. I'm so honored by all the videos I get like every month of like, especially in the springtime and in the fall, like all these (laughs) lovely (laughs) brides and and married people getting married. And, and um, it's so, it's so beautiful. And I, I, I welcome them because that is, if that's your truth and that's your truth. And at the time that was my truth. And, and I think, I think I want to also, one thing I want to say is that when Chris hears that song, she smiles. Mm-hmm. She loves my love with Ra. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't understand until they meet us. How much respect there there is for one another's relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, gosh, that could be a whole new show all in itself. Because I think that, again, like, I think the theme of this whole show has just been about blowing up what we've been internalized with, with the stories that people tell us over and over again. And there isn't, I mean, for my friends, I I am not Polly, but I have multiple friends who are Polly. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and you know, it's there's just not a lot of role models, and there's not a lot of structure or things to look out there for. So I think it was really important to me to to kind of shine a light on, you know, this is being done by many people really well, yeah. with lots of love and kindness and consideration. So I really appreciate you you know, talking about it with me. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it's never a topic I want to shy away from. It's the point is that, you know, the new thing I'm saying is shame cannot hide in the light. Shame cannot hide in the light. Right. Mm -hmm. And someone much smarter than me came up with that. And I have just been saying it in, in every facet of my life. And that includes polyamory. I am not ashamed to to be loved by these two incredible humans. Mm -hmm. They are so kind to one another. And so I'm a lucky femme. That's what I got to (laughs) say. I think the word was greedy earlier, but you know. So, my dear, I'm going to do a wrap with us. And in in order to do so, I need to um, get all of your, hey, please, this is how we find you. Oh, yeah, totally. You can find me on Instagram. They can find me on TikTok. They can find me on Twitter. It's all the same. Heather May Music, M-A-E. And then um, you can find me on Patreon. Uh, It's just Heather May. I'm usually, I've got a mental health support group that is peer-to-peer, just people hanging out listening to one another and rage dancing together that meets on my Patreon. And then you'll find me. Um, I'm out on the road for a lot of June, actually. Um, and you can find all that information at heathermaymusic.com. Oh, my goodness. Could have spent many more hours with you. And I'm already going to get shit for being like, you were, that was too long, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm oh. happy to come back anytime and talk about bodies and being queer. You've been listening to The Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of queer identity and healing. For more information about Dr. Laura Polak or our podcast, check out our website, communityholistichealth.com. Thank you for listening.